2: You'll find here.
3: <laughs> hello and welcome to moving Hour our podcast i got a good friend of mine named andy we on here and he is up around at gooseneck implement up in uh south dakota
2: right that's where you're at well a little north of there but we're it's a dakota has <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just breaking your balls there buddy now he's up in it, north dakota it's it's, up there it. It's okay when we were down in in uh, Nashville the last time the the Lyft driver asked me why there were two Dakotas, and I couldn't answer him so to,
3: to the rest of the other one that's why yeah, think.
2: exactly the, the rest to the to the entire world there's probably only one I don't know
3: yeah, yeah, but no and Andy's a friend of mine we we have uh both kind of started down a path. he's walked further down the path than I am, but um Andy and I are are kind of fairly i think i would call these fairly new positions in in the uh especially in the equipment side of the business i think um you're starting to see more dealers pop up but we're both kind of data i'm a data spreadsheet guy and i kind of look at what's going on i'm I'm a data analyst is my is my uh title um still have a lot to learn on the analyzing part of it but you know andy's got a, a very robust background in there so i wanted to get him on the podcast and kind of talk a little bit about what we see happening from um, the world of technology and how all this data that we have now um, can be used in the dealership to help help drive sales and solve problems. So Andy, I appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast, man.
2: No problem. Happy to do
3: it. All right, man. All right. So Andy, let's talk a little bit about some stuff you see out there. So um, let's talk about AI, right? So a yep. funny joke, every time it comes up is I watched a, uh, a pretty cool documentary about AI once it was called Terminator and it worked out well <laughs> for everybody at the end. you know, machine learning. <clears throat> but uh, machine learning is starting to make its way into um uh, the ag- agricultural space, not just on the uh this I mean I'm sure the seed guys and the chemical guys and, and the um the various uh mapping things and all the technologists all that they've had machine learning for a long time obviously look at the machines and what's out there that's been around for a while but from a uh kind of a um, a predictive analytics skill we're starting to see it pop in so uh, you know as I look at this I, I would have never thought that you know hey we can take a look at service uh, work orders and we can take a look at, at parts and where they're at what they're doing and start really kind of moving things around based around machines uh, population those kind of things I've always had that thought in my head but actually building something to make that fundamentally work has been once you start trying to do it, you figure out pretty quick, it's next to impossible to yeah. put together. So yeah. this AI thing, as it comes together, you're starting to see some of these companies out there. Like, for example, there's a company called Data Robot. And Data mm-hmm. Robot is uh, a machine learning AI machine that can feed it with stuff. And it's going to spit out some answers for you. So I guess, Andy, as you're looking at that, what are your thoughts there? And how do you see that functionally working in in uh, the agriculture equipment business?
2: Yeah, I think you're, you know, you're right, Casey. The the big thing that I've come to realize doing this job is, you know, there's there's never a shortage of data, right? Whether it's work orders, whether it's, you know, dealer, dealer business system data, industry data, whatever that is. It's just, you know, you sit and look at it, always have a great idea of hey, I should I should be able to do something with this. Um right. you know, and and just sitting down and trying to figure it out, it's much, much more in depth than putting an Excel spreadsheet together, you know, how many, how many, how many VLOOKUP formulas can you have before the spreadsheet finally doesn't (laughs) open anymore? (laughs) Um, Crashes finally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've I've had had quite a few of them. In fact, I was working on one the other day, but um, you know, you, you mentioned data robot. We're actually working partnering with them right now to do some things on, on, you know, like some estimated recon repair analysis, right. Where we're, we're feeding them a work order data set and, and, and they're, they're coming back and actually predicting, you know, some, some estimated dollars of repairs. And, um, you know, we, we ran a, we ran a quick, just a, a test run the other day where, you know, we were, we were like within 94% across, you know, 2000 machines on an average. So, That's I mean, of course good. there's going to be yeah. some, there's going to be some highs and lows, right. But, Right. Yeah, we felt we felt pretty good about the data we were getting back, especially from a, the the cleanliness of the data we were looking at. But um, you know, I mean, I think there there's things I I think about every day, Casey. I mean, whether it's you know number of quotes being made today versus yesterday, or what's what's being quoted today versus yesterday, that you know these machine learning platforms really really kind of have a, a niche in our market to just analyze these big data sets that we have that really, you know, like there, you or I have a, have a little bit of know-how of the industry, but to actually sit and break that down in a spreadsheet and pivot tables or, or whatever that looks like, it's, you said it, it's next to impossible. And even, even if you did finally figure it out by time you did, it's old news anyway. It's old news. Yeah, exactly. And that's some things, you know, you start looking at
3: at things like uh, some of these, uh, these business analytics suites, for example, that you get from Microsoft, right? So you got Power mm-hmm. BI and Power Query and Pivot Pro and all these different things that come into play, and and you start looking at those, and and I'm just now starting to learn how those work and, and kind of really starting to put some stuff together with them. But that stuff's like next level. Yeah. Even that stuff's next level. I mean, you're starting looking at taking, you know, I, I pulled a report the other day, and when I pulled it down, and it said, you know, you're you only basically, you're only getting about half of the report because you know Excel's doesn't have that much space yep. for it, you know? and
2: yeah, so you start roles. taking out
3: and you start dumping that into like you know Power BI and you start connecting seven <clears throat> or eight. Or had one the other day, I was trying to do and uh, I was watching a video, and they were connecting like eight or nine different tables together, yep. sourcing what the same like customer number or whatever it might be, and they're drawing that data for there and they're making a pretty nice dashboard, you know. And I, I think. That to me is when you start looking at, at how our sales guys, whether you're talking you CSR guy out in the field selling parts of service, or you're talking about your, your everyday guy going out just selling, you know, whole goods, you know, iron and, and technology out there, that speed of that transaction has gotten so much faster. People want to pretend like it's slowed down, but it really hasn't, because no. the difference now is that. I don't have to come out to your farm and drop off a pamphlet about the new whatever. And you read the pamphlet and then you go to the farm show and you see everybody else's pamphlet and you do the thing, you jump on the internet now. And it's, a, uh, I mean, it's, it's impossible for everyone to stay so on top of, of what it is because I hear this all the time. Our customers know more about our equipment than we do. And that's probably true because we have to know everything about every single line of equipment that we carry. word generalist if you're buying a new you know whatever uh 1025R, r i got i got one you're an you're an expert yeah you're an expert (laughs) that's what you're looking for right so Mm -hmm. it's a it's as you walk down that path trying to figure out what that looks like and how those things play out that makes it difficult to know what that is but if you know the customer that you're going to go talk to is interested likely interested in a whatever when you show up it changes the way that that conversation goes out, and that and that success rate that you see of closing that business.
2: Yeah, and you you nailed it. And and I think the one thing we even see a little bit, whether it's whether it's from the the CSR aftermarket perspective or the service manager, you know who sh- who needs to sign up for an inspection or the sales guy of you know who do I go talk to? Um, you know, I think that it, it really helps break the ice two, it makes them feel more comfortable when I have a list of here's the people I need to go talk to versus just driving around the countryside, knocking on doors. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I think from, from one, one focus that, that at least I've kind of continued to, to try to strive for just, you know, eye on the horizon is always the, how do we make sure we are putting information in front of our customers before they know they need it. And right. whether that's, whether that's through automated marketing, whether that's through, you know, a, a sales call, whether that's through an aftermarket rep, whether that's through a mailer email, whatever that looks like. But, you know, to your point uh, <clears> of, <throat> well, why, why are we waiting for our customers to go search online to see what the service specials are? Right. we, we have so much data about their purchases. Why are we not identifying those customers and telling them what our service specials are before they have to, yeah. to look at that stuff? You know, so those, those are all things that, you know, everything we're trying to do. Um, but, but you mentioned it, that it's, it's all about, you have to have a platform, right. right. And, and, and it doesn't matter whether that's, you know, Salesforce, whether that's, power bi whether it's microsoft dynamics you know handle you know anvil whatever whatever the ones that are out there it's just getting all that stuff in a central place that all your people are working out of right because i mean i look at the world we came from where you had equip and the only way to get data out of equip was an sql query and it was a nightmare but you made it work and then foresight came along and it was like hey man this is pretty cool and and now you know the stuff that that we're using you know through through the uh, the Salesforce Analytics platform is makes makes query and and Foresight look like you know they were pen and paper stone and tablet you know fifty right. years ago. So I mean you're you're 100 right. Just the ease of access to the data is one, and then just the actionable takeaways is the other thing that that we've really been finding is doesn't matter what right is yeah. find something find something small find something big whatever it is but just start somewhere um but again having that platform where you can do the analysis build the analytics that just run in the background now and just yeah. feed the actionable item to the user <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. user user doesn't have to go find a report and look to see who's on it anymore he just opens up his phone or opens up his computer it's like oh i got to go talk to casey today about a you know yeah. service inspection on his combine
3: mm-hmm. and that's the thing too about about that is we're getting away from things excel is never going to go away oh you're going to yeah. always use Excel. but the thing about excel is that i'm not saying you can't build a predictive model with excel and you can't i mean there's plenty of things out there where you can link multiple spreadsheets together and, and do things make things happen The point that I think we're both making on this is that there's tools out there that take all that data that you've already built the tables for and those kind of things, and then seamlessly weave them together so that you can pull it out there so much quicker and so much easier. That when you're all said and done, man, it's yeah, it makes it easy. Like you're talking about, the guy looks at his phone because you know how most guys, most people are that way. You know, if they can't easily find something, they're just going to quit trying to find it. You know, I mean, we're not going to dig and spend four hours trying to figure out who wants to buy the next gallon of oil? You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, just not going to
2: happen. Well, and odds are odds are they're looking for a report. They don't know what it's called. And then when they do finally find it, there's three of them and they don't know which one to use. So then they question yeah. whether or not it's right. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's way, way easier to just run all that in the backside and then just say, sure. here you go, go call, go call Farmer Brown um, yeah. and, and tell them what they need to do. And if they and I mean we're not hiding any of the data from them, they wanna they wanna see what's causing all that. You know, we get uh a ton of input from our end users before you know we would we would build or generate any of that just to make sure that we're going down the right path and that yeah. the data is valuable. So I mean, because the last thing you want is put something in front of them they're not gonna use.
3: Right, exactly. And I think so you hit on another good point, I think, with with the amount of data that we're just getting from machines now. I mean. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, you know, when it's idled, when it, how far it drove down the road, where it stopped at, how many hours it worked, at what percentage of the horsepower rate. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can know about all this stuff. That data is not, it's not like it's new data. That data has been out there for however long, 10 mm-hmm. years, you know, that's been 11 years it's been out there. um And if you're on the construction side, it's been out there even longer than that. Longer, so, yep. you're, so you're looking at all this data you have. And I think, I almost equate that back to when uh, Yield Mapping first showed up on the market, right? However, twenty years ago, whenever that, whenever that was, and and I remember a story at the dealership where a guy came in and said, "Hey, I've got twenty years worth of maps. Somebody said you guys could, you know, compile all this stuff into one one electronic format, and I could see what happened." And the guys, "Oh yeah, we went through this thing, puts it in this system." You know, a million different thumb drives, you know, all labeled with whatever yeah. on them and gets it all done. And the guy goes, man, i what sure this is really great to have all this data. I just I don't know why I keep it because I don't do anything with it. Well, it's 20, yeah. yeah. 20 years, literally 20 years of yield data. And I, that's kind of now you start to have that same conversation with those customers. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, we we go back in and we you know reduce the amount of fertilizer we put down here and you know yep. variable rate this and that blah, blah. they got they can do a bunch of different stuff well i almost kind of take a look at that from a perspective of um the the telematics that we see on these machines now people love it because they can see where their machine's at on a computer screen but yep. what are you doing with the other 99.9 percent of the data <laughs> that comes out of that Other than just where the machine's at and i think that's an eye-opening conversation We you sit down with someone and say, hey, look, this machine idled 450 out of the 600 hours that you had it. Yep. Did not move anywhere, just sat there and idled for 450 yep. hours over the course of however long you had it. Or, you know what, you've only been using 67% of the horsepower of this machine. Yep. Unless you just want the biggest, baddest machine out there, that's great. But there's opportunity for you to either increase your implement size or um you know you know, get a smaller machine or whatever you know so just having those kind of conversations i mean we start talking to those guys about hey look man this this is what yep. your machine's doing here's where we can save you some money or here's what you can do if you just do that because unfortunately idle hours cost as much as working hours and that's yep. the that's the the big kind of elephant in the room i think a little bit to some <laughs> yeah. some folks when you're when you're having that conversation with them about yep use equipment what's that look like so i guess as you're looking at that andy and you're talking about to your customers like how are you utilizing that data to have that conversation
2: well it's it, it's funny you mentioned that That we just had a conversation with a customer the other day we're talking about that exact same thing and it you know he's a pretty progressive guy i mean he's he's all about the data like me so i mean we nerded out for about three hours in his job just talking about yeah. data but most of the farmers you talk to are still Today, even still in that mindset of well, yeah, I collect all this stuff. I record it, it's all in the op center, but I don't do anything with it. It's like, oh, well, why do you record and put it there? Well, you guys told me I had to. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> but you know, but but I agree with you hundred percent that you know, these guys, they don't they don't realize it. You know, we I was looking at at one individual um was was talking to our precision egg guy. And in, in prep for this meeting with this customer, he was actually out there looking at different farmers that he dealt with and looking at sprayers. And what he was finding was these guys that were running these big 132 foot, 120 foot, 616s, had multiple machines running the same field, whatever. They're, um, as a percentage of the total hours, right? Their Their working time was about half. Of what a guy running like one sprayer was. So it's like, well, what's causing that to happen? I mean, what what's what's yeah. going on that 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 those percentages are so off? You know, so those types of things and having that conversation, you know, maybe maybe the guy realistically only needs one sprayer, you know? Yeah. And 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 that's that's the deal. Uh, you know, this spring, we we had a had an instance where you know, we we just took a couple of examples just again thinking about what we could do with this data. And it was like, okay, well, we got this guy over here that's pulling a 60-foot air drill through the field with with a, a 9RX tractor, and we got this guy over here pulling the same drill with the same tractor. We know the we know the terrain enough to know that it's fairly flat land. Well, how come one guy's burning 20 gallon an hour and the other guy's burning 35? And you go and you start looking at the speed. Well, the dude burning 35 miles, 35 gallons an hour is going freaking 10 and a half, 12 miles an hour with an air drill. And the other guy's going six. Right. It's like, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: You yeah. know, so, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy the, what you can do. But I mean, again, I think our, our main focus here is just trying to figure out how do we take that data. And and feed it forward to our, our salespeople and in our customers in a way that you know is is custom fit to their operation, right? Um you know, but I mean I think you bring up a good point, hours are hours. But and I and I'm not that old, but back in the day, remember I remember always like when you went and played the car, was like, well, they're all they're all highway miles. Like, well, what's the difference between a highway mile and a gravel road right. mile? You know, so, so my, my almost general question would come back to, well, does that, does that data actually start to affect submachine pricing where if I'm looking at an S, you know, 790 combine right now and it's got 350 hours on it, but realistically 125 of them or 200 of them were, were uh, threshing hours, but this guy was pushing his machine you know 70 percent capacity and this one over here has got the same amount of hours but was running at 95 well which which machine do i want the one that was babied or you know down the highway or the one the guy was out on the trails with (laughs) right
3: exactly yeah and i think that's the uh that is the uh we can start looking at where the premium is on the machine right or like with that now we've we've gone down this path all the time and talked a lot about forever since i've been doing this like how do we develop that that certified pre owned program right and, <laughs> yeah and
2: the levels. Got a, everybody's yeah, always I mean, everyone's got out. a level
3: you know what's your what's a what's a preview pre, <laughs> yeah. uh, premium uh premium uh pre owned machine look like and what's yeah. a, a certified pre owned all these different things and, and start running them up and you, you could have. This was the when I was using equipment. Just as the one of the most, it was just a big circular conversation. That I <laughs> never so went be, anywhere.
2: You know, <laughs> never, never went so anywhere. It would,
3: be, it would go. It would go like. Well, you have two two machines, two one year old machines, and they both have two hundred fifty hours on them or whatever. One, one's better than the other one. Well, no, they both have two hundred fifty yeah. hours. What could be wrong with them? Like a lot could be wrong with <laughs> yeah. you know. One, I mean, one set out see, for hundred fifty hours. Yeah, this one's see. in the shed for two hundred fifty yeah. hours. I mean, there's just all these different variables that come into play, and how do you measure those things? And I think, yeah. I think this data kind of points towards that, finally solving that, cracking that, yep. that code of what's a certified pre-owned machine look like.
2: Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's kind of a catch twenty-two, right? Is is you want to help the customer be as efficient as possible with that machine. So you really realistically want him to run it, you know, at at maximum capacity. But at the same time, if he does it, now you're going to give him a premium for the trade. Um, You know, so it'll be, it'll be funny to, or fun to see how that, that kind of all plays out. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. We, we was, I was, you know, used equipment manager for six years and it was the same thing. You just, one of those deals, you could never get it off the ground because nobody understood what it was about. It's like, well, you see that combine sitting over there with the new feeder house drum on it. And that one doesn't have one. I'd be buying the one that doesn't have the new feeder house drum if I was you, right. because there's a reason why there's a new drum. right?
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. And I think those are the kind of things when you start looking back on all those, those, uh, barriers we tried to you know get around and go over all the time we just kind of it's like you jump over the barrier barrier and by the time you hit the ground it's the same barrier again but it's just <laughs> taller than it was before you know what i mean yeah, so you yeah.
2: start because you got you had no real everything was so abstract there was no yep. like
3: yeah You know hard to pass that showing you differently
2: right you couldn't sit down with a spreadsheet and, and pencil out or explain to a guy hey based on based on our sales history and this machine in this market, this machine is worth this much, but this guy's machine brings this much. Um, yeah, it's just, it was, well, first off as a sales guy, I don't know that there's too many sales guys that are going to do that. Um, you know, so, so again, I've, I've really been trying to, trying to figure out, you know, how do we do that for them? Right. Where, yep. where you, you put a machine, you put a machine in front of them and you, you give them, you know, four or five prospects, but, take it one step further than that here's why this customer needs to buy this machine yeah. not not just that here's five customers go talk to them but here's why those five customers are a good fit yeah i think the uh
3: so something i've been trying to tackle here is 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 the taking look at the some of our of our bigger customers that, that roll every year and we start looking at those role cycles and who are the customers that are coming in and buying and how long are those machines sitting in inventory um, ahead of that? So there, there's a lot of guys that not necessarily big role guys, but just, you know, they buy a combine every two years and they buy a new track mm-hmm. every three years or whatever it is, you know, and they kind of start working through that. Well, as you're, as you're watching that go, you start seeing the same people jump back up and buying those machines year in year, like every two or three or four yep. years whenever they come back and they keep coming back and buying that exact same machine, you know? Yep. And some of that's geographics, you know, I mean, that's the, the guy who lives right by the dealership and there it is. But it's also some of that too is I like Andy's combines when they come back yep. because they're whatever, you know, I know they've yep. been greased or whatever it is. And so I'm willing they to take pay care more for Andy's. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for Andy's than I am willing to pay Casey's because yep. Casey just kind of uses them. And then puts
2: them up. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason Casey <laughs> trades every year. They won't. They won't run two <laughs> years. Of Casey That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a
3: reason why I like warranty. Right. So. Yeah. So. So we we keep running down that path. But as you as you start looking at that those those data metrics, you start seeing yeah. things in 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 customers that are that show that hey, this guy stuff when it comes in, it's only in inventory for a few days. And these mm-hmm. handful of customers are the ones that are buying the same machine over and over and over again. Yep. That's so, that tells a big story about kind of what how to handle those people as you move forward.
2: Yeah. So I I I've had this had this theory for, for a long time, just haven't been able to maybe bring it to to light. But you know, even you know, you look at whether it's machines or whether it's customers, right? Everybody's kind of got and this goes along with what you're talking about, but everybody everybody's got the price they're willing to pay right or let's let's put sure. it this way the gross margin they're willing to let you make right right and 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 whether that's so so i mean it'd, it'd be interesting to see in that concept right to go and look at those machines and okay when they when they go to this customer we're making x gross margin that comes in and buys them every year but when they get to sold some random guy, they make X gross margin, or maybe it's one percent less, right? And then and yeah. then start looking at it from the perspective of from the the trade in customers. Yeah. So now you now you actually start matching up your premium trades with your customers that are willing to pay premium dollar mm-hmm. to and your in your and your not so premium trades to the customers yeah. that are going to come in and just. You know, wanna want you to drop five grand off the price regardless right. of of the machine. So be yeah. be interested. Not gonna have to go go do some go do some crunch some numbers on that and see what that looks like.
3: Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's the but that's I think that's where we're headed when you start looking at this because just like what you talked about, I I'm so convinced now with, with the way machines use especially used prices are right now, new is you know, new is yeah. crazy expensive. But as you're looking at at those things, I'm I'm a firm believer that some of the guys that used to be new buyers are now one or two or maybe even in some cases, even three to five-year-old buyers, you know, just depending on where they're at. And because of what things have gotten in, there's they're kind of for lack of a better term, they're kind of stuck in this box. You know what I mean? So bringing those those you know, the expectation of, you know, guys, like five years ago I was buying new combines. Now you're telling me that I can only afford to buy you know, a three-year-old combine or a two-year-old combine which with with ours, I would never have dreamt of running on a yeah. machine, much less buying at that hour. Yeah. Which, you know. I mean? So now you got to start talking to them, like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but look, if you look where this machine's been through and the warranties that are on, that this is about as good as new as you can get. You know. And so having yeah. those conversations, and to your point, you're right. It's we have the data to match the right machine to the right customer, and the customer doesn't have to have, you know. You know, hey Mr. Customer, here's here's six machines we think that are probably <laughs> yeah. gonna fit well for you, you know, in your operation. Yeah. Instead of here's 150 combines, why don't you sort through them all real quick and tell me which one you want, you mm-hmm. know, without knowing anything about any yet you know what I mean? So yeah. if you if you understand the customer what they're what they're doing, I really think that yeah. we have the sources out there to just say, hey, look, here's five combines, and they're at they're all different places throughout our our dealership network, but um, I think these are the five combines that are gonna you know, Gonna fit for you, you know. Yep. Which one I, which one do you like the best?
2: And I and I and really I think subconsciously, Casey, that's already happening out there. The salesmen are yep. doing it. And that's why there's this, there's this constant, you know, that's my trade. I'm gonna go sell that. I need I need to go talk to my customers to sell that because I traded yep. it in. And and it's funny because you can take the same same machine from two different customers at two different stores. Let's say you got two mud guys. And I've seen it happen time and time again where, where the machines are identical, same amount of hours, just two different salesmen, two different customers. Salesmen that traded in the four at the one store will go sell in four right away. And the other four will sit on the other, the other store's law for 90, 180 days. <clears throat> and you go talk to the salesman that sold all his right away. He's like, yeah, I can sell four more if we have them. Like, so he's going to go talk to his customer about trading again to get four more trades because he can go sell four more. It's like, well, we got four more right over here. Well, but they're not mine. I don't feel comfortable going and talking to a customer because, again, I don't know where they came from. I don't know right. how they ran them. I don't know what they did to them. You know, so I, I think hopefully, you know, to your point of that this this whole data world we're we're dipping our toe into right now at best is, is really probably takes some of that away. Yeah.
3: And I think also, too, like, and you and I have talked about this at, at some length, but taking a look at machines and, and start trying to show like known failures at different yeah. hour ranges. Off yeah. the, I mean, Gary, again, we have so much. I mean, every yeah. time something goes out and gets worked on, we're logging hours on it so we see what, yeah. what, the, what the repair was at those time frames and you can start seeing that. And then now you can start being a little more, you know, could you imagine if you went through harvest and you know, I'm not going to and say that we're going to be able to stop anything from breaking, but right. if something broken, it was, you'd have to wait on the part and it was just there, boom, yep. to make it work. <clears> you know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
3: And, and, uh, because I, cause I know we, we work hard to try to make that happen now. Yeah. Um, and we've got systems to make those things happen, but we have the part. This might not be in the right place at the right time. And mm-hmm. some of that might just be because that particular store sold a few of those and we got one there and, and, no one's the idea of, of using machine um population as, as a measuring yep. stick as to where you need to have what where that's uh that's being used too but it just seems like it's just a really hard yep. uh, that flywheel getting that flywheel to turn and start and yep. get the engine cranking it just seems like it's getting harder it's, and harder to make hard. that turn. yeah yeah and,
2: uh, i see it i see that happen all the time you know from a parts perspective right it's we got we got twenty of them in the group, and this store is out, and we don't have any. It's like no, we we have twenty. There's, we All have right. twenty on hand. <laughs> you don't have any, but we have right. twenty. Um, yeah. You know, but it, but then at the same time, it's like, well, I called this store; they wouldn't let them go. Well, why wouldn't they transfer one? Well, they they're afraid they're going to run out now because because you ran out. So, it, it, I'm I'm with you in this whole inventory balancing thing, and I mean trying to get that. you you said it perfect trying to get that flywheel moving so that everybody kind of understands the the why and and the how it all worked right it's just because you transferred five from your store to that other store because they're out you don't need it because the machines running in your aor guess what every one of them had that part replaced during a winter inspection. Yeah. The store that the store that ran out had zero. Plus they got yeah. twice as many machines as you. You know, oh, yeah. so so really starting to do some, you know, some balancing based on that or, you know, projected parts. I mean, we we started with something as simple as just we gave our AAMs a report or aftermarket account managers, and <clears throat> you know, they went out and just hammered guys on parts cabinets. And and they went out there with a with a with a list we gave them, where they basically put in a, a a model in an hour range of how many hours they were going to start harvest with, how many hours they were going to end all harvest with, and it it basically just gave them here's twenty here's the top twenty five parts that were replaced on combines in that hour range through the winter inspection program, yeah. and and these customers bought the parts, stocked them in their cabinet, so you took the store completely out of the loop in in season. Right, so so you start thinking now. You start factoring into well, what machines came through the shop this winter, and what parts were installed. Well, I don't need if 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 my if the population of combines in my AOR is let's say hundred, and I put feeder chains in seventy five percent of them. Do I really need to have twenty five feeder chains on hand? Probably not. I probably, probably, not. Need no. probably need one. Probably need one. Right. Yeah. So um and again it's in the the flywheel thing though is helping whether it's the parts managers service managers store managers just it, counter people whatever just understand that it's like well we're not telling you you ain't gonna sell it we're telling you that you should be focused on selling other stuff because this yeah. is a very very low probability of of you making any money
3: i <laughs> thing too i think as you go into like planning prep and, and harvest prep especially um going through that one program, if you knew that you could say, Hey, when this machine shows up and it's got to be this many hours on it, whatever the hours are on it, um the likelihood of seeing this failure happen between X and Y yeah. are 94%. Do you want us to go ahead and replace it while you're here or at least have that conversation with them? That way when it does break and yep. you should have the part on hand, those kind of things. But if it does break, you can say, Hey, we talked about this and it happened, yep. you know. So it's it's one of those things where I think it's not like a cover your ass move by any means, but it's just one of those, right. hey. It's all about it's, uptime, it's, man. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to keep running. This is likelihood of this going down are
2: fairly high. Well, and I I I mean, I even look at one of the challenges I see every day is, you know, technicians, right? And and skilled technicians. And there it's it's a it's a revolving door because you've got the new guys coming in. That that really don't know anything. And you got the old guys going out that knew everything. <laughs> you know, so when when the 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 veteran season tech goes out to the field to fix X, Y, or Z, right? He knows that A, B, or C needs to be replaced too. Well, when you when you take that inexperienced or that, let's say that even that five-year tech and send him out there to do that job. Well, he's only got the parts for X, Y, Z, because that's the only thing that was on his work order because that's what the customer told him was wrong and he gets out there it's like oh well now i took all this apart and then i i I need this barrier i need this seal too and he's got to run back to town you know so even even as you go and like like there how do you keep that institutional knowledge and and you know we've been we've been trying to figure that out like do we you know put some develop some kind of you know memory memory device where we can like extract these guys' memory and you know stick it on right. the shelf but you start yeah. to think about it it's all on the work orders casey it's, it's all there it's all there yeah complaint complaint cost it. correction these whenever yeah. you do this job code five hours later you do this or 25 right. hours later you do this it, it's yep. it's all there it's just yep. it's just getting it in a platform and then doing something
3: with it yeah and that's that's the uh that's what you just said there. I mean, cause, cause, complaint fix, right? And, then, <laughs> and then you yep. go, and you put those things back in there and it's all, like you said, there's, it's not like these guys are, are just uh, going out to the guy's place and then fixing stuff and saying like, ah, it'd be, uh, we'll <laughs> bucks, you know, you know, so, they're, they're given a piece of paper. They got generated yeah. in a business system someplace that, that has yep. all that information in it. So all that stuff's right there. And it's, it's the, the hard part about all this, though, is then this is what I'm finding out doing this—is that I've got amazing ideas that I have zero yeah. idea how to implement because it's—it's it's tr- getting the data and trying to find the data yep. and then arranging the data so that you can use it and then, you know, get example. So our, you know, you look at some of the stuff and how things are labeled in the system. I mean, yep. We, when the first started putting 9770s, for example, in the system, it was 9770 Space SCS. And then yep. five years down the road, it went to 9770s, you know, no space. It was whoever, you know, just, you
2: know. whoever from JDIS trained them on how to create stock units that day. Right. You know, yeah, half of them, yep. half of them trained them to put spaces in. And then all yeah. of a sudden deer starts sending them through the, the mint pole without spaces. It was like just, yeah. yeah. It, i agree yeah. with you it, it, it was data the 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 quality of the data is just as important as yeah. you know the quantity i spent probably I
3: spent like three days one time going through a spreadsheet where doing that same thing because it would be you know 9770s 9770 yeah. 97, just 9770 yeah. <laughs> and then just ninety seven seventy sds. Yeah. i had to like go through there and find other things and then you know fix all that stuff to make it work. And next, cause it wasn't as easy to just, Oh, we'll just do <coughs> control time and you're good to go. Like, well, yeah. You know, yeah. It doesn't work that well, way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. You know? So I, I, first off, <laughs> I got to know, I got to know what they all were. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just so working your way through all that, you know, and Yeah. that,
3: that again, that's just another side of this that is even that much more mm-hmm. on top of that. And then it's to the point now where you start looking at if you really, you need a data department, Yep. You know, you get a, a data engineers, data scientists, all those things like that coming together to help guys like me that understand the business. Yep, I
2: exactly. can run a
3: spreadsheet, I can build a spreadsheet, yep. you know, and I can do an if if-then statement, you know. But uh, yep. you know, I'm I'm not a wizard by any means in that stuff. And right and using stuff like like uh, SQL and Query and Power BI and all this kind of thing, and just using all those tools, I'm slowly starting to figure out how to do it, but it's it's a bigger dynamic than that where you got to start looking at yeah. let's get some people to actually understand how data needs to flow and how data needs to work and then let's start making those decisions on we'll have what they put together makes sense.
2: Yeah, and I think you 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 hit the nail right on the head because I think there's <clears throat> and and it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's in what department it is, but especially with the data, right? Is is you need that you need that champion that understands the business understands the use case that the data is being used for kind of understands the process and how that data is being collected and can kind of help get maneuver around some landmines like the models and things like that not being right or you know Mm -hmm. oh we switched We, we don't call tractors tra anymore we just call them T, you know whatever right. and and somebody had a decision because saving those two letters was going to save so much time, but but anyway you know it you is is your time as in a in a role in a position you're in better spent identifying the use cases and and coming up with the ideas and the theories and handing that off to somebody that can go clean the data, build the database, build the data set. And, and generate the report for you in a matter of probably hours because a guy like you or me, sure. We can do it. Probably takes days, right. but yeah. you know, Weeks. so it's like, so it's like, what weren't you doing in those three days that right. you could have just handed it off to somebody. And, and I mean, again, it's the, those, those resources are out there and whether it's, you know, through third party contractors, I mean, you're, the thing is, is you gotta, you gotta be okay with, with them having access to your data too, and that's sure. yeah. us- usually the hang up for most for most people. Yep. Um And and I mean, and it, and it should be it's sh- it should be a concern. But you know, then it's like, okay, well, then your options are have somebody in house. Well, that's not cheap either.
3: Right. Yeah. And I think that's the uh, it's like you said, double edged sword. You know, you're if you do, sometimes and damned if you don't. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you're. You know, we've been a part of data groups with other, with other dealers. that Have come together and kind of shown what they've had, and, and I, I look at the guys that have those those kind of people on staff yep. and what they're doing. And there's one guy that's just he's kind of making sure that it makes sense. Yep. That what you're actually putting out there is, is makes, and I can sit there and tell a story of how this relates back to a business case yep. and what we what we're trying to accomplish. And because they don't they don't know the business right so yep. but what they're doing those companies that have those kind of people in place are really doing some impressive stuff with what they're doing and their roi is there yep, um, big time. and we're seeing that you know we're seeing that roi on what they're investing on that investment that they're making it those people so it's a it's, this is just like a whole new like yeah you, know, you got part sales service and then yeah. oh my god now we have, we have a technology department now you know yeah. and, wow. um, and then now now we've got this this looming data department over here that could very well be yep. this is you know, I, you know you said something that kind of made me think about this for a minute you know every every dealership's got a cfo right the cfo is yep. probably not an accountant they probably under they no. have a finance background or some yep. kind or whatever that is but they're not an accountant When to kind of do taxes we have accountants on staff that understand yep. accounting and the law and what those yep. general ledgers are for and all that stuff. Right. Yep. I don't and think it's just CFO not understands business. Yeah. understands the business, yep. yeah, he understands the business and he understands what the balance sheet yep. should look like. Yep. You know? and, and I think that's the same difference when you start looking at, uh, as a company, it, it's the same yep. thing. You know? It is the exact the same, same thing. thing. <coughs> so... <clears throat>
2: William, Nine times, yeah. Go oh, uh, yeah. I was going to just add one thing to that. Nine times out of ten, a dealership thinks it's their IT department, and it's not. You know, it's not. I've I've seen it happen time and time again where where it's like, oh yeah, we got a data guy. Oh really? Well, well where, what where, what department's he in? Well, he's our he's our IT. He's in our IT department. It's like, mm. I mean, I I'd get it if he was a business guy and you moved him into IT because of a reporting structure or something like that, but. I, most of the time, I would say if they if they were if they have an IT background and and went into it as an IT type person, they don't understand the business. Most likely, it's not going to wind up working very well. Yeah, and on the
3: back side of that too is they still have email issues to fix and <laughs> server problems and password resets and, and know, <laughs> all that stuff. That, I mean, it takes up all day long just doing those. Stuff. it does. So it does. So it's a whole whole other thing there. So. Well, Andy, I, this is a good conversation, man. I think it's a good place to stop. I really appreciate you coming to the podcast. If folks want to reach out to you and pick your brain about stuff, what's the easiest way to do that?
2: Uh, easiest way is probably just uh, email. It's Andy Porzberg, P-O-R-S-B-O-R-G, at gooseneckimp.com. Right on, man. Phone. Uh, they can give me a call, too, 701-509-2518.
3: Cool, man. Well, Andy, I, I really appreciate you being on here, man, and this is uh... – this is, I think, this is like that that next iteration of what yeah. of what the uh, ag implement dealership thing is going to look like and go through, and and uh, we're uh, slowly starting to see these things come together, and it's going to be like, you know, what what was it called before? I asked you, I don't know, AMS, you know, AMS, yeah. you, know, AMS <laughs> yeah. you know, something similar to that, and as these kind of things start coming and how it reacts to the to the dealership, and not just. Not just for the internal work into the dealership, but what we can do with the customers. So it's a brave new world, man. Brave new world out there. So looking forward to it. Oh, man. Well, Andy, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. Thanks, man. Right on. Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go to the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. For everything Moving Iron related, go to MovingIronLLC.com. And you get all the information there. So, with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Andy Porchberg. It's to be Smile, folks. Out.
1: Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800. 800- 657-4910 for all your trucking needs at valley transportation our goal is to help you reach yours no matter how you buy your ag equipment whether it's from a dealer an auction or a private party ag direct can help you finance it you can even apply online at agdirect.com learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com TractorZoom has access to over 20 billion dollars in heavy equipment sales data